Surgeons of Cinema, yes. and today we're fun, going fun. to be talking about the Oscars. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. we're going to be rolling through some of the selections from the Best Picture nominee list. Um, our fourth man, Zach Colomo, is out on audition business. He hates the Oscars. Becoming a big star. Yeah. <laughs> but we love him. Uh, and so, yeah, we uh, we didn't see all the movies, and it was a pretty dry year anyway. Which and is... we doubt you did either. So <laughs> which is fine. This year I got the closest at any year, though. Really? To watching all of I th- the year that like Moonlight and stuff came out, I, I saw like everything that was nominated. That, that was like a great year. The, it was a the, very the, good the Oscars had like, had like two years ago was really good. The Moonlight year was really the Moonlight good. Moonlight year was great. The 2017 year was great. Uh-huh. It was Lady, Lady Bird. That was out. that was Blade Runner and everything. Yeah. yeah. My year was actually, um, I think it was 2013 when I paid it when I was like because I was Whiplash, Birdman. Oh yeah, uh, that, was uh, that was a good year. Uh, yeah. uh, Imitation Game, I think. Imitation I, Game is really. I good. think that was the first Oscars so white year. Was it? I think so. Yeah. I think well, then, ever since they've been trying to uh, like obnoxiously bring in hosts to like make it like black, and it's just been cringe. Like, yeah. did you guys actually watch the ceremony this year? No. no. They got Glenn Close to like twerk. I, I heard about that. I heard of that. I heard about that because what the Oscars it. likes to do is not really nominate black right, right. Uh, filmmakers for anything above supporting no, br- actors. Bring in a, a comedian host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring in a comedian host to go. Hey, y'all are pretty racist, huh? Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and, then <laughs> and then that's it. And then that's it. Yeah. So, but um, uh, it, yeah. So it was a uh, kind of a slow year. Actually, their lowest ratings year. Really, in the past year Ever. by like, like it was it was. 20, it goes down like, every year. Yeah, it was nine point something million. It, I don't know if that's reflective of the industry itself gradually kind of dying out, or just people don't really care about it. People don't care about. Well, people still watch the Grammys. The Grammys do pretty well every year, and but people talk about universal. the Grammys more. Yeah, yeah I, I think guess. that movies have, have always, maybe not always, but especially. We've talked about this a lot. The elevate the elevation of horror, right? But mm-hmm. also the elevation of movies in general. Like, it just feels hard to to. I guess people don't feel yeah. as connected to the movies. Th- that this year, definitely the the heavy hitters were stuff that's not for everybody. Yeah, uh, which I actually like, but that you know it hurt them. As I you mean, said. I I know a, I know a they do the anonymous Hollywood Reporter Oscar voter thing where someone says hor- something horribly sexist or racist. You you know the things they do every year where they interview an anonymous Oscar voter. Uh, and they oh, did yeah. one this year, and, and one of the voters was like, "This feels like a Sundance lineup." And I was like, "I don't know if that's like a bad thing, but that's not <laughs> bad." <laughs> Sundance just—I guess they think of Sundance as like this hipster, like trendy. It's like, been around for thirty-five years. I know, but like they—they <laughs> they play shit like Mural and the Dying Girl, that's you know, just true. like silly titles and, exactly. and varied stylized stuff. Like yeah. I, I could see that being said about promising young women that probably did come from Sundance yeah and I mean so did Judas as 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 glad it's a great festival I mean just to people who are out of touch yeah as glad as all three of us are I'm sure about Parasite sweeping last year I'm sure well I know there were a ton of people for racist reasons but like (laughs) they they, they probably thought we can't give it to Minari because that's two years for South Korea yeah that's probably right and they're like they're like none of that (laughs) can't let these Koreans catch up (laughs) but um, yeah we wanted to talk about just a few of the movies that were nominated and didn't win we're going to start actually with a documentary 
um, that Wes watched called Time. Yeah. What, what's this about, Wes? So Time is by uh, Garrett Bradley, uh, who is, uh, she's almost like, I don't even want to say she's a documentary director. She's like a mix between like a, uh, like almost a museum installation director oh. and a, uh, and a documentary director. Um, and I believe Time grew out of a short that she was making before. It's about a woman, uh, a black woman, um, and her incarcerated husband and her uh, attempt to get him out of jail for 35 years. So it's, oh. it's a mixture of her personal archival footage uh, and uh, Garrett Bradley's like filming uh, of her life for like a year or two years. But the, the, the wild thing about this is Garrett Bradley shot uh, principal photography mm-hmm. and then uh, found this archival footage and kind of recut the movie around the archival footage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a really great film. It was nominated for best documentary. I think it should have won. Um, Garrett Bradley made this amazing movie called America, which is attempting to use old cameras. You'd actually really like this, Dan. She used old cameras. Garrett Bradley? Yeah, yeah. she she made a movie called America, and she went through uh, the history of film from like 1913 to 1930 and reshot certain scenes from white movies with black protagonists, but Mm. uses the same cameras. What movies? Uh, obviously, so like Vision, was one of like oh, nice. color stuff. No, she she it's all black and white. Uh, yeah. It's like from the 1915 to nineteen thirty, and she like oh she shot Birth of a Nation with real black actors. Well, she shot she took a scene uh, she took a scene uh, from Birth of a Nation, I guess, and then uh, interpolated onto it. It's gonna look for that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. You know what? I'll do it later. No, I but want, I don't want to. Anyway, it. time is amazing. You guys should all watch it. It's on Amazon. Uh, best documentary I saw this year, Garrett Bradley. Uh, please make more movies. Cool. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I like a good documentary. There was actually Definitely. one that I got to watch a little bit of, um, called uh, "In the Same Breath," mm-hmm. which is from a Chinese documentarian about the okay. outbreak of the pandemic in, yeah. in Wuhan and, and, and all those places. And when would they have that came out this year and they shot it this year? Like, I mean, not this year. Sorry, twenty they shot the, it the year I that we missed last year yeah. in late twenty nineteen, and then I guess released it. Oh, so when these headlines first started emerging, yeah. they were like on the street, like yeah, okay, this, that's this crazy, woman, that's impressive. She, yeah, she was. Uh, she has a, an American husband, an yeah. American child, and she sent the child away to live with the husband. I only got to watch an hour of it. Uh, it was at South by Southwest, but mm-hmm. like my digital access cut off after a certain date. So, mm-hmm. but it, it looks pretty cool. Um, I slacked this year. I didn't see any documentaries. <laughs> you didn't I'm, see... I'm illiterate when it comes to documentaries. <laughs> you didn't see Boy State, the like the MTV. Okay, we'll talk about Boy State when I when I surprise you guys. With boy State. Week. Boy State. It's That's an amazing. Awesome. It's an amazing. I like the title. It's yeah. like it's like boys. State with just boys, just the it's fellas. It's just all the dudes. <laughs> just all dudes. Awesome. No, it's like they send it's a bunch so of they, <laughs> they send a bunch of boys to to like summer a, a capital. Yeah, but it's summer camp, but they run for president. Like that. Oh, I did actually hear about that. It's it's all the. All the white boys like trying to learn how to like lie like politicians. Oh yeah, and yeah. Stuff, right? it, okay, it, it yeah, is. Yeah. It no, is. It is about. so chaotic. It is amazing. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Of fun. I saw like a teaser for that. Um, uh, sticking in the uh, East Asian cinema realm, we're going to move on to Minari, which was nominated amazing. for Best Picture. Minari didn't win, yeah. um, but uh, we all three have seen it, so we're going to start with the light conversation on it. I'm going to drop a spoiler warning uh, because I think you know it's a mm-hmm. quick episode, and we're just yeah. going to probably go through some stuff. Um, so I'm starting the timer. So we will ruin it for you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start the timer for, let's say, 10 minutes now. This is where we'll end. Mm-hmm. Cool. cool. Dan. Do, just like thoughts? Yeah, what would you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it. I remember like it opened like the way I pictured it would. Like reading the synopsis, like this Korean family in the late 70s, they moved to, you know, 
Midwest Americana. They don't know anybody. They, they, there's a very small community of Koreans there. And they're just kind of, you know, gradually moving into the house and starting the farm and stuff. And the movie really takes its time. Like It, yeah. it plays out the way I imagined it did. It literally starts with them pulling up and, and not really liking the space, or at least the family doesn't. Steven Yeun's doing the dad thing where he has to be, guys, it's great, come on. Like, how can you not love it? You know, <laughs> he, he's a great dad, actually. Yeah. Steven Yeun works really well as a dad. We're speaking this um, from personal experience. He is our dad. Uh, yes. He's our, yeah. he's yes. our father. Glenn will always be. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love the pacing of it. I love how it really feels like you're living with these people. Um, we have a lot of time without the grandma and then starting, like... Mm second or maybe even like third like i don't know it's like halfway through the movie when she eventually joins the the family and yes. and then the dynamic changes and you just feel like you're living with these people and figuring life out with them and i like how introspective it was and you know it it stuff like that sticks out to me because Obviously, I mean, not everyone's going to want to sit down for two hours and, and watch a movie about, sure. you know, immigrants trying to adjust to American culture in the late mm -hmm. 70s and, you know, the microaggressions they're experiencing within the community and stuff. But I thought, I don't know, I, I thought it was really compelling just because of how much time we're spending with them and stuff isn't really happening. Mm -hmm. Like the son is playing pranks on the grandma yeah. and uh, they're just kind of getting a feel for the lay of the land. I mean, it's a very simple story. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I mean, I was crying. I was emotional. <laughs> like you, you feel like you know these people. You yeah, feel like yeah. you've lived life with them for like a year. Yeah, you know? that's true. So it's compelling. It's it's a very good movie, in my yeah. opinion. I I, I, um, I was actually very glad that the movie isn't so focused on, like, look how racist everyone's about to be yeah, yeah, to yeah, these yeah, Korean yeah. people. I You're agree. waiting for it the whole time. Yeah, and there are there are definitely scenes of, of racism and microaggressions, like Danny just said, but they're, like, they're, they're mostly played for comedy, actually. And the one yeah. that I think was the most egregious... Um, the little was, girl? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> straight up trying to speaking gibberish and asking uh, the daughter what her language yeah. is. But also, um, uh, there was something that there was a tweet that I had seen just before this moment came up about the over sexualization or infantilization of Asian women. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, when the mother is talking to those two other women at the church and mm -hmm. they say, like, Oh, she's so cute. she's adorable, yeah, yeah she's yeah. adorable. I was that really hit me. I was like, mm -hmm. Yeah, like she's there's there's definitely this infantilization that you see. Yeah, uh, I really liked the movie. One thing, um, I mean, I think that the uh, the best supporting actress win for I believe it's Yoon Yoo mm -hmm. Jung or something something like that. I probably she called out Brad Pitt. That was fucking yeah, awesome. That was amazing. That was fucking awesome. That was amazing. And, and then they posed for a photo op together. Like she didn't well, just kind of you guys know what that you guys know what that controversy was about. Well, he executive produced, right? He executive yeah, but, but produced, he did, but he, he did, didn't. He was not hands on. He was not hands on. Apparently, did not give the film enough funding to, his name to, to on get it. over a hurdle, which mm -hmm. is you know. When his name should, be, I didn't know it at the Oscars. I thought she was just being funny, calling out the American movie star. But at the end of the movie, it says ex executive producer Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. I was like, what the fuck, really? Yeah, that's so. Uh, Wait, Brad are Pitt... we rolling? Yeah, I'm, I just paused okay. on that. Um, does Brad Pitt own a twenty four? No, 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 no. So, he, so, that suck? so, 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 that would so suck. Brad Pitt owns Plan B, which is a company yeah. that frequently works with A24. Okay. He was an executive uh, producer on a 12 Years a Slave. Moonlight. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I knew the Steve McQueen. A few, a few others, but, but I think, I, I mean, Brad, Brad Pitt's a main guy on Plan B, and he, Plan B obviously produces a lot of work by people of color. Mm. Um, he says this is because, you know, he has a lot of children that are of color. Uh, certainly does. And, uh, you know, he wants to create work for them. Um, but 
for as good as that, I'm sure, does for the world, uh, apparently in some way, and this is all alleged, uh, Plan B kind of gave Minari a little bit of short shrift. I would like to know what else would have been shot if they had more of a budget. Because mm. because for the story they're telling, and the fact that the only real like set piece you can describe is the barn burning, it's yes. like, and, and the whole movie is leading to that, you yeah. know. Yeah. I wonder what else they would have added. Had they had, or maybe it was a marketing thing. Maybe well, they just couldn't really market the So, film. guys, hold on. Uh, Plan B has the most eclectic list of movies. Oh, please. So it has Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, Killing Them Softly, Moneyball, 12 Years a Slave, Moonlight, World War Z, World War Z, Okja, Beautiful Boy, If Beale Street Could Talk, Vice, Last Black Man in San Francisco, The King, and Ad Astra. Really weird. Whoa. Yeah, yeah weird. Very Kick-Ass is the first Plan B movie. <laughs> and it should be. So Brad Pitt, it should be. like, read Kick-Ass, and, or I guess no, no, it no, wouldn't the, have been The, the first Plan B movie was uh, Troy, and then Charlie the Chocolate oh, Factory. The two masterpieces. Yes, yes, masterpieces. of course, of course. I haven't seen Troy. Um, I have seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've seen yeah. both. Just, uh, amazing just, just incredible That's as good films. as it gets. Yeah. They're just amazing. They're not. Um, <laughs> I'll hit the zoom on this timer. Um, but yes, I think that that actress uh, definitely deserved... Uh, She's fantastic. She sells that stroke. Oh my god! God. You believe it? When he can't wake her up, Mm -hmm. I was like, "Fuck, dude, she's having a stroke." Yeah. There's something about um, that final shot of her, that slow push as she's watching the family sleep. Oh yeah. That's really effective. Yeah, I, I love when she's just trying to like she can't deal with like the shame and she's trying to like escape. She doesn't yeah. know where she's gonna go, but she's walking down the road and the sun runs after her and he calls her grandma. By the and way, they have that little kid, fucking good, really good. Yeah, did you see that interview with him um, with a twenty four? They're like, fuck. I shared it to my IG story when I saw. It. I forget what he says. It's the funniest. Like, is it his favorite actor? Where he's like, my he favorite says like actor. I like Batman or something. No, no, no. His, he was like, my favorite actor is like Sonic the Hedgehog or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> I like you though. So what's your favorite? Uh, I like Sonic. He's just like a, <laughs> such a kid. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he, great. he and, the, and his older sister are great. But um, yeah, I, I, as far as the other casting, um, initially when watching the movie, I found myself wondering if Steve Young is still too young for this type of role. How old is he? He's almost forty. I, yeah. he, but I guess he, he can play both. But then I was also like maybe part of the story is them being young parents mm-hmm. you know and like yeah. still kind of figuring out their marriage their love yeah. for each other let alone how to raise two other children mm-hmm. so I wound up not I wound up like uh, warming to it mm-hmm. um, and yeah I think that he does I think uh, he's fucking awesome in that role. he's really good yeah. especially uh, some of the scenes I really liked him, one of the scenes I really liked him in before I pass it to you Wes is yeah. uh, the 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 scene where they bring David back in after he pranks his grandma with, mm-hmm. the, with the pee. He's making them he's raise his arms. His hands yeah. up, yeah. And just that shot of him, like, it's a you know, that low angle yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's the one to do it, but he wants to be stern right. and, and let his wife know if there's the something stick. in the future, I can mm-hmm. put the fist down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so stuff like that was really good. Just a lot of cool yeah. character moments in this, and I really liked it. I like yeah. how he, he does, like, the dad manipulation, you know, oh, yeah. where, where, where he's talking to his son, and he's like, uh, make sure, yeah, I mean, you like this place, right? You like the Mountain Dew? You mm-hmm. like the cartoons? I mean, make sure you tell your mom. Make sure you tell yeah. mom you really like it here, <laughs> you know? It's just like, that That was well-written. That's yeah. like what dads do when, yeah. when the family moves. Yeah. yeah. Wes? Uh, I, loved, I love Minari. I think it's my favorite of the, of the, the big eight that got nominated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Uh, I saw it a couple, like a month ago now, and I'm still thinking about it. I think, uh, I hate it when people say things are universal. I actually don't think most things are universal. I think Mm, most things are specific, and then 
the specificity is what gets us. I think the moving around is, is probably what spoke to me. When I was a kid, we moved like eight or nine well, times. In a similar way, my, my, my family, my mom is uh, is from Canada and Jamaica. So uh, on her side, I'm first generation. And then my dad's side, I'm second generation. But my whole family is from the Caribbean. So like, you know, grandparents were in the Caribbean. They moved here as adults. So yeah. it's the idea of like immigrant parents is like very, is very resonant to me. So there's moments where Stephen Yun is like walking around with like his hands on his on his hips, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my that's my grandpa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I I mean I, I loved it. I thought I thought I wish I had more uh, analytical things to say about it. I mean I think the sh- the way it's shot is amazing. I think the script is like really. Um, let's, sorry, let's hold for the rough rifles outside. Yeah. Oh, that's just the whole street all the time. Yeah. All right. The script is very natural. Well, I mean, I wish I had more analytical things to say about it. Yeah. I mean, I think the script is the script is one of those things where it's deceptively simple. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it feels like it feels like if you were just describing yeah. the plot that nothing happens, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, yeah. But everything happens. You know what I mean? Like exactly. like this marriage is falling apart uh, inside, and the kids are watching the marriage fall apart. Like the perspective is from this little kid mm. who's watching his parents slowly deconstruct. Right. But he doesn't know what's going on because they're his parents, and he's what eight years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so um, I thought I thought it was really incredible. I think the scene where he they're driving around trying to get people to be his their clients for their farm is really like heartbreaking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, when he they're just, when he when he's breaking all the boxes full of produce dude, because when, uh, like some place in Oklahoma ended dude, up not taking the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and, and and then he they come back and the greenhouse is, is on fire and oh he my, grabs that, his wife that, out that of That was like where I, I was like, this dude. movie better not be making me cry. Right? Well, the it was the helplessness of the grandma yeah. trying to stop the fire. It, the the, the, the fire is when it started and where like the anxiety and the sadness started for me, and and then the final embrace with the son and the grandma. I was well, like, oh my god. I so I I think I think you know, um, and then there's the whole. I mean, I don't want to get into the 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 metaphor of what the Minari seed is, but you know what I mean. Like, I feel like I feel like this movie really spoke to me as like a, a kid of immigrants. Um, and I know there's been criticisms. I have some uh, Korean friends at, at school, uh, and and a lot of them have said that they feel like this is very American gazed. Uh, it feels okay. like very much like an American movie, and I can't speak to that because I am American. Um, but I could definitely see that it, it, it is an American film. Like it, I, it feels very much like an American film. It's which directed is, by an Asian American person. It is. I, I mean, you know? it's um, it's just that uh, it is slow and methodical and, and takes its time. I mean, I, I don't know if because uh, because South Korea has been having this new wave for like the past like four or five years. No, for the last like maybe thirty maybe years. Maybe <laughs> maybe well, but yeah. it's been like in the spotlight for yes. the past couple of years. Yeah. With, with stuff like um, Parasite, obviously, and, and Burning, and even, uh, what's that zombie movie? Train to, Train to Busan. Oh, amazing big film. Deal over here. Amazing film. And I don't know that I can really pick up on characteristics of, of Korean and Western cinema that this is leaning more into. I, mm. I think it's... Uh, it's it's really just a simple, effective movie, and I think that's kind of universal. I mean, every country does simple, effective stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I want to I want to comment on something that you said. I, I think movies like this, where you're describing it to people, and and the indication they kind of get is that it's a movie where nothing happens, is mm-hmm. both a gift and a curse to a critic because this is the kind of stuff I like. I, th- I feel like it's a breath of fresh air to see something that's just simple and, and takes its time like this. But, you know, it's not a lot to talk about, I guess. I, I mean, when you're reviewing an action movie, you can get into choreography and the set pieces that you think hit or not, you know. But w- with a movie like this, you, you really just kind of 
the, the people reading your review or who trust your opinion just kind of have to do just that like trust you like yeah. this is something that's worth your time yeah. it is it, it, it feels and the last thing I'll say is and this is a this is a, Chris, uh, a comparison that a bad white film critic would make but it feels <laughs> like the first film that A24 has made I feel like since Moonlight A24 has been trying to make Moonlight again you know what I mean yeah. aesthetically uh, Waves is an attempt to make Moonlight again mm. and I know you may disagree about I that. do like it but, but I think I think <laughs> Waves is an attempt to do Moonlight again I think uh, I, I can agree with I that. I think Euphoria sure. is an attempt to do Moonlight again. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, I think Minari is the first movie that feels the way I felt watching Moonlight, which yeah. is like this is specific. It doesn't feel you know like it's I mean? it's going for any like style. That, that that's why the, that's why the comparisons to Western and Korean cinema kind of confused me because I, I think it really is just like it a story a storyteller just, just don't get, you know yeah a storyteller just you know wanting to do one thing and get mm -hmm. you to empathize with these people and, and feel their struggle and, and walk away mm -hmm. having grown with them. Yeah, cool. yeah. Well, I, I wanted to let y'all finish, make your last points. We 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 ran out the timer there, but I guess before we move on to the next one, if this is a question you think you could answer somewhat succinctly, why do you think it didn't win? Honestly, it's the racist shit. It's it's fucking because <laughs> it's better than Nomadland. Like I'm sorry, it is. Mm -hmm. Just like personally, I probably would give it to Sound of Metal, but mm -hmm. but Minari, I would I would give it to over Nomadland any mm -hmm. day. I mean, I I just think that they really didn't want to do two foreign film best yeah. pictures in two years I think I mean all of us want to eventually break into the film industry so maybe we should yeah. we should burn this maybe we uh, should, podcast we should talk done. in the academy but yeah. the way but the way but the way the academy works is especially the best pictures is preferential balloting so it's like yeah. the, the most it's not the best movie even though I think Parasite Moonlight those films are, are incredible films mm -hmm. It's not always the best film. Not, more, not giving it to Parasite would have just been like criminal. But like, but, but that's because there was so much goodwill around Parasite. And Parasite gift wraps a lot of its themes in, yeah. in pop, pop, the way that, you know, uh, Get Out does. So that makes it more palatable. But I think a film like Minari, uh, people are thrown off by the subtitles because they're racist. And people are thrown mm -hmm. off by the fact that this is a... They're the lazy. The fact that it's slow. And the fact that it's slow. The fact that all the act, major actors are Korean. And, yeah. like, I just feel like the Academy is full of people that want to be spoon-fed. They don't watch all the movies every year. They don't. And they also want stories about America. It's, they it's want political. They want movies about uh, um, about me, which is, Minari is about, which is crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, but, but they want movies about white Americans. Well, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like an anti-Americana thing. Yeah, exactly. This, it's taking place in, you know, Reagan, Ameri America. It is. I don't know if he's about to get elected for the first time, but second, what year is it that it takes place? It's in the early Because the, the bank... Uh, guy is, yeah. is saying like a Reagan's gonna come in and he's gonna help the farmers and stuff. Uh, if if I knew the year, then I would know if he was getting reelected or just mm -hmm. getting elected for the first time. But but the yeah, it, it's like an anti-Americana. It's eighty-three. It's eighty-three. So so he was he was in his first term. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, this is the last thing from me is a uh, great Will Patton performance here. Yes, he's great. Oh. Yeah. I only know him as the sheriff from the Halloween reboot. So yeah. what was so what else is he? He was also he's he's one of those guys that pops up in small yeah. character. Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. Mm. The yeah. Punisher. With, you already got uh, great. Got it. With got Dolph it. Lundgren, I think he was in yes. that Punisher. He was in that Punisher. Uh, he played John Travolta's right wing man. He was in Armageddon, the masterpiece. Roadhouse Two, the greatest. I think he was in that Postman. Movie. Oh, he's in Wendy and Lucy. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's cool and he's really sweet. He's guy. in Meek's Cutoff. He he's in a bunch of um. Record. Yeah, Kelly Reichardt movies. That's mm -hmm. cool. Cool. Halloween. Awesome. Okay. Cool, cool. But uh, yes, our our next stop on this train is Sound of Metal, mm. uh, starring Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. 
Um, Danny and I have both seen this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wes has not. I have not. For a lot of people, this might actually be e- e- even more of like a perspective that's hard to, to empathize with. I, I don't know. Because Minari is asking you to empathize with this Korean family. Sound of Metal is asking you to empathize with this uh, heavy metal drummer who goes deaf. So yeah. it's you know the subculture of the hardcore community and you know the subculture of the deaf community yeah. um so it's so it's it's doing a lot and i mean everything about this movie feels extremely real mm-hmm. it helps that they're using real deaf people mm-hmm. who, who are acting who, who had never acted before i mean that's just really impressive because they're all very believable mm-hmm. um the community with with like the the deaf kids and, and the deaf teachers and stuff like it, it feels so like real and yeah. lived in and it it felt like you were being invited into this community yes. with him and and similar to Minari it's just it's acclimating to this new lifestyle and it's asking you as an audience member to be engaged with that acclimation and yes. whether you can or can't do that dictates whether or not you like the movie but this has like the most powerful final like few shots yes. in the movie I've seen in like maybe the past couple of years the, the him yeah. sitting and this is spoilers so yes, I'm sorry yes. he could hear the whole time you, did you fucking see that coming that he could crazy, fucking hear the whole dude. time what the fuck messing with everyone dude that's better than fucking usual suspects it's the best way <laughs> okay but no I mean him sitting there and, I and you guys do you care if we ruin it? No, I thought you guys, that was the end. Oh, I should, we should have been looking like, at the space. I was like, how subversive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, him sitting there and, and taking the hearing aids out, which he's been trying to get this whole time, yeah. and, and sitting there in the in the stillness, yeah. and realizing that that's the one thing, it, it's almost like, yeah. so it, it, it's the one thing in his life that will never leave him. Like this this girl who he's invested so much in, like in the, their time apart, they've, they've grown so much and they're such different people. They, she, they don't even want to make that the same music anymore. They're not even into the same shit anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've grown, and so he's on his own again with yeah. nothing. He doesn't have his RV. Doesn't have that deaf community. Doesn't have his, the love of his life. All he has is the deafness, the yeah. stillness. All he can do is sit there and and take comfort and solace in that. Mm. And that that was like, I, I like bald. Yeah. I mean, holy shit! It, it's such like. A beautiful like like realization that we come to with him at the same time yes. it's 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 like they had it's a brilliant idea and they had to just write like a movie around that like how can we lead to this yes. brilliant like realization for him and the audience to have at the same time yeah that yeah. final scene makes it I agree it was it was um it was a shot or, or a scene that I kind of anticipated and hoped that they would deliver on just him realizing that this is this I'm not chaos. disabled this is just who I am right and, yeah. I, and I can't like live like this this imitation of, of life so yeah. I really like the movie I think that um, this movie does something that Nomadland does that I'm uh, that I am a sucker for which is casting non-actors yeah uh, mid nineties does it too. I always say the Safties because I'm a broken <laughs> I'm a broken record. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's it's there's something about that that's really um, authentic that I appreciate watching. Yeah, um, and so uh, yeah, there was yeah Paul Racy who I think has acted in stuff before, but like that's the guy playing the the, the kind of the sponsor of the deaf community. Mm-hmm. Um, really heartbreaking. What else is he in? I think it's this and that one. Other okay, thing that I can't I can't yeah. think of right now, but he. They he, talked about him at the Oscars like he was like a known actor. Uh, apparently, his parents were were mm, deaf. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Laura Dern's not, too, which I didn't know. Yeah, she brought that up. Yeah, he's he's not deaf, but he yeah. just grew up with deaf parents. So he was in a few things. He's in Heroes and Scrubs and 
Baywatch. Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. 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 So, but that scene when, um, when, uh, what is Riz Ahmed's character's name, by the way? I don't know. Where, where, when he's deciding, <laughs> he's good, to, when he's deciding to leave the community, um, that seems amazing. That conversation with him across oh my the God. table. Yeah. I mean, you, you really get a sense for his, yeah. like, his addictive personality, even mm-hmm. though there isn't a drug abuse storyline per se. I like that this is the sign language for addicts. Like yeah. Hook in the mouth sign. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he tells him you're sounding like an addict. Yeah. And it, but but he, he hadn't been using. No. So, so I, is it just that he's, like, exhausted and, and he misinter- he thought, like, this guy must be using, he's got bags under his eyes? I guess. Or just in terms of, like, his... Um, his attitude and his need to like to do more to yeah. be more or to think that he's lost I something. guess he was acting really eccentric yeah and and uh I mean just really great performance from Riz Ahmed in this um yeah amazing I think, yeah I think that it's a it's a very solid character yeah. study uh, I would definitely recommend it I never cared about him as an actor prior to this I mean I, mean, yeah, I don't mean to like you know what I mean you don't love him I, in Rogue I had, One I had seen him in stuff and it's like oh there's that guy but but the, like he blew me away here. Well, like I mean, now I think he's one of the best actors that we have. I think what it is, first of all, thank you for reminding me he was in Rogue One. He's yeah, so yeah. good in Rogue One. Yeah, isn't he in um, Amazing Spider-Man Two? No, he's in Venom. He's in Venom. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays some suit. He's, he's the other symbiote. Okay. Yeah, he plays. Oh, I completely Toxin? forgot about Riot. that. Riot. Riot. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have a black symbiote, let's let's put a gray one. Ven- Venoms are ven- venoms are dumb. <laughs> I, I, I remember reading a Rotten Tomatoes review back when Venom came out, and they were like, "The final fight is like watching two VHS tapes where you break them, and like unspool all the, and just like kind of, because it's just two black goop monsters yeah. like blending into one." I don't but know you know why you wouldn't make Carnage. The you know what's yeah, wild yeah. though? Venom has a cult following. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's, well, he's on I think it's just so bad it's good, good then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't think anyone thinks it's genuinely good. Well, Tom Hardy's not bad. No, him no. sitting in a lobster tank is, is pretty. That's good. the highlight of the movie. Yeah, it is. Um, but to but to your point about Riz Ahmed, I think, and this is something that because uh, I watched his actors on actors conversation with Stevie Young, and they were talking about being Asian actors. I love when they do that every year. Yeah. I need to watch that for for this year. Um, and I think it's like okay, when you're the the the, the brown Asian man or the Middle Eastern looking man, yeah. like, your options are very limited. And if you're not the terrorist, then you are going to be like the side character who is mm. of color because Comedic that adds something to the friend yeah. The, yeah you know what I mean so like him being in this movie in this role which could have easily gone to, to any number of white actors yeah uh, is great because like yeah first of all this looks like a real person and mm-hmm. there are non-white people who play heavy metal yeah. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say it's like yeah, like like a metal musician who's not white. Good shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't cast like just a white guy to play like the guitarist or the drummer or whatever. I would say going in, you know, um, because I watched it right after I rewatched Whiplash, which is one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and you're kind of expecting based on the, some of the promotion, like a like a, a story about an artist who's like who's like going over the edge for right. his art. And you see we only see him ripped. drumming really in the first act. Or I mean, I shouldn't say that. Like at shows. Playing yes. sold out shows in yes. the first act. So it's not really like a heavy metal movie. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, the, fr- you the first scene ripped. is impressive. Her yeah. vocals are fucking awesome. And yeah. he really is like drum, like the beads of sweat flip yeah. coming off of him and stuff as he's like thrashing. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. I love it's the way that opening is shot. But I think it's one of those things where, similar to how we talked about St. Maud, some of the mm-hmm. promotion kind of just Going in, how do you how do you market a movie like this? You know, well, you you send it to Sundance and you you market it under Prestige. You yeah. put you yeah. you 
the trailer is just like all the leaves you mm-hmm. know how every festival like when you win an award it's like a bunch of leaves yeah yeah yeah, yeah and then yeah. best picture can and like a bunch of leaves yeah, best picture laurels, something yeah. and like mint tree whatever <laughs> it, it, it would just been like 30 seconds of that and then like one shot of her summit drumming it what, what's that about you yeah know? exactly um well so and again for this one why do you think it didn't win well, yeah, maybe it's because like some of those voters didn't want to watch a movie that they felt was about metal, you know? Mm, right. There are these like ninety-year-old guys, like they, they, they hear it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they hear it's about a heavy metal drummer. They're already checked out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think I can agree with that. And also maybe the because I think the Oscars, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about this more when we get into Nomadland, which is our second segment. But I think they are kind of always looking for something that. They, they, they can say is universal yes yeah. even though even though most art is specific mm-hmm. personal the best art is personal and yeah specific. and so i think that like with with sound of metal they were like well it's too specific to the disabled community and maybe that's why like or they know, didn't watch it or and or they yeah. didn't watch it that's know? which is what i think possible <laughs> But yeah. I, I, I think like Sound of Metal and like Promising Young Woman were uh, their nominations were a product of the younger Academy voters that they're bringing mm, yeah. in but there are still like those old turtles well, from like 1920 I, I don't exactly, know yeah. not to fall down this hole I feel like Promising Young Woman actually feels like an older Academy pick like it feels, it feels like it, feels it just like, kind of takes all the Twitter talking points and it like does. works it into dialogue it does, it does. Yeah. It does. and I haven't it seen does. the movie so I could be wrong Similarly to that according movie. to you I'm not wrong right uh, right. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, well, we are not the target audience of Promising right, Young Woman, okay. yeah, yeah. but I think Promising Young Woman we felt, felt much more like Queen and Slim than I think it wanted to. Okay. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> for, but for women. Uh, but for w- white women. But for uh, white mm-hmm. women, yes. Yeah. It's like white feminism in the movie. Yeah. It, 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 it punishes its characters for doing the morally correct thing. I, I heard which there's is like a crazy <laughs> twist. The twist is... Is it punishes its characters like that's I mean like the way the, the main character the way Queen and okay. Slim uh, has the characters do a morally correct thing and then spends the rest of the movie punishing them. There was a movie you called uh, I Care a Lot with Rosamund Pike uh, recently, and the whole movie she's doing fucked up things like benefiting off of like stealing from old people and putting <laughs> right. them in retirement homes when they don't need to be in retirement homes. They don't have dementia or anything. She's like, it's like the caretaker industry and how they can you know take advantage of like rich older people mm-hmm. and the whole movie it's like it's trying to get you on her side even though she's very clearly like a mm-hmm. fucking evil person <laughs> and then at the end like a guy shoots her and it's ah. like what's going on right. do you, wait do you, like do you want us to like her or what's or going not? on because because now she's getting her comeuppance but prior to that it's all these like girl boss moments where she's like a badass and she's like committing crimes and stuff and we're <laughs> supposed to be cheering her on it's like what the it was such like a Whiplash of a movie. Yeah, yeah. Is Promising Young Woman kind of in the same? Uh, I mean, I mean, Promising Young Woman. I think. I, I again, I'm not the ideal person to talk about this. I, I think the issue is with Promising Young Woman is that the f- film doesn't really. The film tries to unpack trauma while also re-inscribing trauma. You know what I mean, like mm-hmm. it, it's like traumatic things happen to women in this country, and they are it's allowed to happen. Also. Let's end this movie with just the most horrendous act of violence against women that we can against the main character. Yeah, and it's just like so a guy gets back at her. Yeah, and it's we'll spoil. I mean, do you guys care? No, I don't particularly. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. warning. Sorry, sexual assault. I'm smiling because now I know I'm probably not going to watch it ever. (laughs) She was uh, the main character's had a friend. She was sexually assaulted in school. Nothing was done about it. The friend unfortunately committed suicide, and our main character spends the rest of her life getting back at uh, other. Uh, potential rapists, yeah. uh, and then she finds the man who sexually assaulted her friend, 
uh, and the man violently murders our main character. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the comeuppance at the end is that the police now know who did it and they arrest mm-hmm. him. But for me, it's like, why did we have to punish our main character? Why yeah, why did we, like, it's, it's, it's this feeling that like, the only way to make something be taken seriously is by horrible violence against the person. Mm-hmm. Which was why I think Promising Young Woman got nominated over The Assistant, which is a similar film, but I think is much more artfully done. That is my that is my take. I am done. <laughs> got you. Well, right. I will... Uh, uh, you're not super done yet, because I'm going to give you five minutes now to talk about Trial of the Chicago... Don't even... Don't, give, me, give, me, give, me, give me one minute. Give me one Just minute. give me one minute. Okay, go. Guys, The sh- Trial of Chicago 7 is a bad movie. Uh, I love Aaron Sorkin. Uh, I love uh, 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 oh gosh what's a social network one of my favorite films mm. uh, Trial of Chicago 7 is, is a film that really should be interested in the Black Panthers like another movie that was nominated it actually is a, a cousin movie to Judas and the Black Messiah it has many of the same characters mm. uh, but is just deeply uninterested Yaya Abdul-Mateen is great in it uh, all the acting is pretty hammy except for him uh, yeah, I, I just keep hearing that Sasha Baron Cohen. Was Sasha Baron Cohen is, is, is he, he's just playing like Sasha Baron Cohen's such a good actor, but he's playing was him. I, I thought it just was some white guy that I saw in the trailer, but it turns out it was. Spoiler warning: the film ends with a something that really didn't happen in real life, which is one of the characters reading the names of all the boys who died in Vietnam. Did not happen. Uh, it's We're a bad doing movie. An alternate history. Bad, bad, bad <laughs> film. Aaron Sorkin, please don't talk about black people ever again. <laughs> do yourself a favor, and all of us, and do not do that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what else is there? Yeah. Did you see anything that we didn't see? Yeah. Did I? I don't know. You saw. <laughs> I'm the only one who saw Mank. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually want to ask you guys something uh, before we move into our review of, of Nomadland, which will be the second part, because you're both directors in a way that I am not. Yeah. And I. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um, so Chloe Zhao won Best Director yeah, yeah. for Nomadland which yeah. I think is, is pretty pretty appropriate uh, mm-hmm. I think the direction of that movie is its, is its strongest aspect I but I actually want to ask you guys like the, when you're watching a movie how do you tell that it's well directed oh, you know the, there's um, a um, one moment actually they do it a few times but the first time I realized it was when I knew that like Chloe Zhao was a pretty talented director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, you may remember like a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, we were talking about Knives Out. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that stuck with me in that movie was a shot where they're at a party. It's like Tony Collette and uh, I don't remember the other guy, but they're like being racist to uh, um, Marta. Towards, yeah, Marta. And there's a few points where the camera zips from one actor to another, and it's you can tell just by looking at it because half of their faces are in shadows and stuff. There's no like umbrella lights or studio lights or anything like that. They're just going natural. Like the the lighting sources inside the building and stuff. Um, there's a part where Daniel Craig is not lit by anything but the light from his uh, uh, his lighter because he's lighting his cigarette. So you see a few blips of orange on his face. No, no, like, man, I hate when you get on a film set and there's just like 50 fucking umbrella lights with the diffusers and like all that shit. Maybe that's just like a me thing. Mm-hmm. But one of the things about Nomadland that felt very honest and like very real was the fact that they're lighting exterior like scenes in that movie, mm-hmm. entire scenes with like sunsets mm-hmm. and, and just like natural light like light coming through the valleys and and over the mountains and stuff and and they are not using like studio hollywood lighting methods that we 
especially when you go to film school, they drill it into you. Mm -hmm. You got to spend half an hour on lighting for every shot, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I've always hated it because some of my favorite shots in movies are just naturally lit. Yeah. And Chloe Zhao just has an eye for that. She mm -hmm. knows that like, sometimes when you're watching something, it feels like you're watching like a reality show or whatever it may be because that much lighting to where someone is really glossy and there's no shadow anywhere, like it's dishonest. Mm. It just doesn't look good to me. Mm. What, what I'll say about directing. So um, lighting was my whole thing. <laughs> no, no, I, because lighting is a part of directing. I, 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 what I would say is there's two kinds of good directing. I think there's good directing where you're watching the movie and technically you notice, oh, this is well, the scene is unpacked well. Mm -hmm. The shot progression is good. Uh, the way the actors are performing on screen feels honest. Mm -hmm. That's good directing. But I actually would argue better directing is when you don't notice it the first time. Mm -hmm. Is when it's just, it, the directing is so good that it actually just works on you. It just kind of flows. It just works on you, and then the, the, you watch it again, and then you can kind of pack it. Like the, yeah. way, like the way people talked about Get Out uh, the first time they saw it, it was they were talking about the experience of seeing it. And that's how you know the directing is so good, mm -hmm. is because it's almost undetectable. Uh, because it's, it's like so a good. story is happening. It's like, it's like you're experiencing it's unfolding something, and you're yeah. like in it. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I think that's why in a lot of ways film school uh, can can cut off the wheels Definitely. off of a good director because I mean, you're, you go and you learn those rules so that you can break them. So you can break them, them, but I think in a lot of ways film school teaches you to, to look at look for seams, mm -hmm. uh, and you shouldn't be the first time you're watching a film. I think the first time you're watching a film, you should be seeing if the directing is working on you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's all I got in terms of. No, that's that's great. I, do you guys know a uh, dog me ninety five by any chance? Oh, you know I do. The movement yeah, yeah. just just pull up uh, like a simple. It's um it was started by uh, Lars von Trier mm -hmm. and Alexander Vinterberg. Yep. Is that correct? correct. That's You're his correct. name. Uh, so breaking the waves is is mm -hmm. one of the really famous ones. But this was a film movement, you know, not dissimilar to like the French New Wave, where these directors were. If you watch these now, it looks like they were shooting movies like an episode of The Office. Mm -hmm. Like the, there's no, um, there, there's no like professional lighting. Like I was talking about no umbrella lights, diffusers, none of that shit. They're just like kind of pointing and shooting and shooting in real locations, yeah. uh, you know, on, on location and getting real people to, to be in their films. Uh, the celebration is a big one. It feels yeah. really real. It feels yeah. like you're watching something actually unfold. That's what Nomadland the entire time was like. Oh, this is a dog me ninety five thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's they're they're following the inspiration from that movement, and that's why it winning Best Picture. I I kind of love just symbolically because well, the year okay. before. Well, I would say hold on to it before, like when we actually. Are we not talking about it? Not yet. No, I just really? wanted to. I wanted to ask you this about. I best thought we directing. were. I thought we were in it. Okay. No, <laughs> cool. But I, but that sounds like it's going to be good. So okay. So well, hold, hold on to it. it. I just wanted to. Um, Easy Rider. No, that's not a dog movie. No, no, but it's, no, it's just influenced by it. So. Yeah. I wanted to ask y'all that because uh, I respect you both as directors, and I think that there's a lot of people who don't really understand like. Like in in a in a in a vacuum, they get what a director does. But uh -huh. if they're looking at the totality of a film, they're like, they're not paying attention. To yeah, they're yeah. paying attention to the, what what you can see, yeah. which is good. Similar, right? Yeah. Similarly to what you said, Wes. About, it's just a funny title. Oh, <laughs> um, cut that. A competent edit is invisible, right? Like you you don't notice it mm -hmm. because it's just helping you literally watch the movie. Yeah. And when there's something even a little bit weird about the editing, it, it 
completed the movie. Uh, like, and that can be a tool to, to right because because then I was going to say like then there's stylized editing, which is a choice that like you know your Tarantinos make, your Wes Andersons, uh, stuff like that. Editing can really be a pitfall when you're doing like action set pieces. Oh, yeah. like yeah. you, you know when like Indiana Jones is sliding underneath the door that's closing, mm-hmm. and it's like with each cut, it's like dude, the door would have closed by now. Right. With like how fast we can see it moving, exactly. and like you keep cutting to where it's in the place where it started, and he exactly. still doesn't still underneath. Like for example. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a really good uh, a really good point you both made, and there's just something that came to mind. Um, my art of film professor, shout out uh, Amy Zilliax, mm-hmm. um, she was really the person who kind of taught me that like no observation is too small when you're watching something that cost hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. and employed hundreds mm-hmm. of people. Like, yeah. there's kind of a tendency, I think, especially in films. Now we're just talking about film school, but like. You kind of build yourself up to like ha- need to have something so profound to say every time yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're watching a film, and then it's like sometimes it's like I like how this color pops up here and here, mm-hmm. and it yeah, something, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because someone spent time yeah. making sure that that got noticed, I know? feel like there's magical mov- moments when you're watching movies where it's like this is speaking to me, and I don't really know what it's saying, but I do know that I'm engaged and exactly. that I'm taking something from this, yeah, yeah. Exactly. even if it's not larger than life. Yeah. And so, with all that said, we'll take a brief break and then come back to talk more fully about Nomad Land. Is it already? I think it's just going. Oh, okay. We're back. We should put B roll in here of them announcing Nomad Land at the festival. Jesus Christ. It wouldn't be that hard to do. What do you mean, not actually? Not, I mean, that's not, I don't know. Whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> it's what they would do. Uh, welcome back, guys. We're, we are now going to talk about Nomadland, as we said at the end of the last segment, which is the Best Picture winner for the Oscar year 2020. The ceremony was in 2021. So Best Director. Also yes. Director. The film was directed by Chloe Zhao, produced by Frances McDormand, and a list of other people. It also stars her in the principal role as Fern, uh, who is a houseless, van-dwelling, working nomad who leaves her hometown after her husband dies yeah. and the soul industry closes down to travel around the United States. You also have David Straithairn here. Always good to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, real-life nomads Linda May, Swanky, and yeah. Bob Wells appear as fictionalized versions of themselves. This is probably the most um, heavier for the Oscars, like using real people with lived experience and like, mm-hmm. the subcultures that they're exploring exactly i want to say one thing about francis mcdormand's performance um i don't think anyone needs to have three oscars that's crazy (laughs) but all things considered this is probably the best performance i've seen from her i mean i mean i know that she's an academy darling they have a raging heart on for her they always have yeah every time she comes back they they give her an oscar um you know with three billboards she's very good but there Mm. was someone else that year that i wanted to give it to what else came out that year uh, let me look it up. Three billboards is just a, a, a raging piece of shit. <laughs> she is very good. She, she yeah. is very good. She is. She is. Uh, let me let me let me find but it. There was, we, there we can, was Sam Rockwell's was also good. We can we can, we can, good, yeah. we can cut this. Uh, there was this another performance that out. year. That uh, uh, it was Sally Hopkins. Hopkins. Margot Robbie was amazing that year. Saoirse Ronan. Oh, I, I think I would have given it to to Saoirse. Oh, I would have given it to Margot Robbie. Wait, is that the year that Meryl played uh, played the opera lady? 
No, this was the post. No one saw. Oh well, okay. So also, no one saw the post yeah. either. That's like the the spe- Oh my god! It oh. was like it, it. What was so funny about that was like they were trying to manufacture like the Oscar movie. They were like yeah. Spielberg, Hanks, Streep. What could go wrong? And it didn't win shit. <laughs> it didn't win a single thing. It's so cool. Saoirse Ronan uh, has gotten nominated for a lot of Oscars. She has. What did she, what did darling. what did Robbie do that year? Robbie did I Tanya, which was an amazing oh. film. Mm. Right. Oh right, 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 right. Where she, I, uh, I'm gonna say Rob. I don't want Robbie to win because I hate when when actors win early in their careers. But the scene where she is looking in the mirror and she's crying and then she pulls her face into a smile, mm-hmm. I was like, she's got the juice. Like mm-hmm. she's got it. She's got it. No, she's genuinely um, good. But yeah, back to McDormand. There's, she does stuff in this that like I couldn't see other actresses like really wanting to to. Subject themselves like taking a poop. Well, taking a poop in front of a camera and everything. Uh, but her like getting naked and, and doing the tipos in the lake, like mm-hmm. right by where the body of water is about to shoot off, mm-hmm. like just for a couple second long uh, shot. Mm-hmm. She's completely naked, just like just like there, like being as bare and vulnerable as you can make yourself. Yeah. Like, how much more vulnerable can you be as a performer than to get naked and, and put yourself in you know almost in harm's way? I mean, there's a water. There. Literally right there, yeah. She she just is super honest in this, and, and it also, I mean, sorry, it almost means to me, she's like realizing that she has two Oscars, and it's like from here on, like let me just do projects that I'm really interested in, and, and give that my all. Like almost like she wasn't expecting a third, you know? right? And right. She got it. Yeah. So good for her. Wes, you have any Letterbox reviews? I do. This? I have. I have a few. Uh, my favorite thing about Letterbox is it. It's the perfect storm of uh, pretension and jokes uh, so my first review is a four and a half star from Karsten Rehnquist who's also a YouTuber oh don't get me started on Karsten dude just go oh dude oh dude yes uh, Nomadland it's all caps is a film about people above anything else it cuts like a person absorbs like a person observes like obs- observes like a person and moves like a person to experience Zhao's latest is to experience the feeling of sitting still while uncontrollably moving forward it uses those rare positive moments of relief in life to their fullest potential. This is an incomparable piece of work that exists in its own bubble, a bubbly, gently floating through the air, ready to pop, living in complete tranquility while it still can. This will only get better okay, with time. Carson. Man. I don't know if you can tell Carson is a film student. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that like as soon as you said Leatherbox is pretentious fucking people, the first thing I thought of was Carson Runquist. And then you said this first review is from Carson Runquist. I was like, oh So is God. he what a video essayist or something? He's a, yeah, he's he's a, a video essayist. Uh, he is the whitest man. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> three and a half star review from Vern. Not Fern but Vern mm. uh, kind of wish A24 distributed this so I could buy Francis's shit bucket on their website awesome. oh god uh, and <laughs> this is my favorite this one is a three and a half star review from Hunter Strawberry oh, wow, awesome. I enjoy the 2020 Chloe Zhao film Nomadland or as Jeff Bezos calls it 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> that's really good. Maybe it could have gone harder on the Amazons. I'm trying to... I, so oh, well, that's they, a criticism they, I have. They, they're, like, showing yeah. these people, like, spending, like, 12 hours a day shipping boxes and stuff and, and like, taping and putting the air bags and boxes and shit. And it's, like, you'd think it would be a bit more critical of... Let's get to that because I have a thought. It, it, Go ahead, It, it does show, yeah. um, like, her interacting with these people who don't really have anything else going on in their lives other than Amazon jobs, and I appreciate that because... Whenever a movie can introduce you to, you know, a perspective that you have never tried to empathize with before, I, I always just appreciate that because it's mm-hmm. new. Um, 
yeah. the girl showing off her Morrissey tattoos, she just felt oh, like yeah. so real to me. Mm. You know. Well, well, here's the thing about about uh, this film, and I, I don't want to be overly negative about this film, which is historic for many many reasons. Uh, the Amazon criticism is the criticism that has been kind of bobbed to the surface in terms of the major flaw of this film, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to agree. I mean, it feels it feels like the, I've heard arguments countering saying that this film is not explicitly political. That's BS. Everything is political, mm-hmm. but. To have a film, this is a super political movie. To have, exactly, very much so. To have a film that is about explicitly about poverty, right, yeah. and houselessness, and what the financial crisis did to Middle America. Yeah, and then to have Amazon, uh, you, you're almost, and I don't know if I'm reading the film wrong. It almost feels like the film is like, thank God for Amazon. Well, I think it goes either way because because that is a reading, but I think it's also saying. You know we're complicit in these systems that take advantage of us, but like where else can we Hi- go? Highly you know? possible. He, the, the guy, I mean, they go and see this guy who's like famous within the nomadic community, Bob and Wells. he's giving a speech. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even. Is he real? Did you know? Yeah, him? He, he's a fictionalized he's a version of a real guy. Yeah. So so he's he's there and he's talking about how we're chasing the almighty dollar or our whole lives. He's using like old man lingo, uh, but but like what, what he's saying, you know. It, it made me think that the film is being critical of Amazon, but probably while they were in the warehouse shooting stuff, they couldn't really. You should have talking Bezos under his nose. Well, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it's definitely a, a read, and I think I think it's fair to say that the film doesn't come down hard, but I think it, it this film came out at a bad time to not be hypercritical of Amazon. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazon's in the middle of a, of a, of a major strike because they have people they have so. people pooping in buckets and pissing yeah. in bottles. Uh-huh. Like it's, it, we, Have you seen those fucking commercials where it's I like, have. People on the internet keep saying we're we're yes. you know we we got to pee in buckets and all this stuff. But hey, we get paid twelve dollars mm, an hour and it's great. I love working at Amazon. So, so I, don't, I look, I don't want to get, go down the Amazon hole. And then there's I, those bots on Twitter. I'm sorry, I oh, hate, yeah, hate to keep interrupting. No, 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 it's okay. Bezos ordered like a bunch of Twitter bots to like be defending. He also Amazon, hired like, people. He hired people to, to run those accounts. To run yeah, those yeah, accounts. Yeah. But I, well, the last thing I'll say about the Amazon thing because I think it's a complex reading. I think. The film, if the film is in fact saying that we're complicit in those systems, I think the film needs to be a little bit more. Uh, uh, it needs to come a little harder against uh, Amazon in some mm-hmm. way. It does feel like by the end, it's shaping up so you're like, "Thank God for has a job again," and it's like, yeah. it's like her job is Amazon. <laughs> Amazon is definitely portrayed as like this faceless conglomerate, though. I mean, it, yes. I think anyone who's there is really thankful that this is what they're doing it's just yeah. it's, the, it's these fair. people who are, hate like a dead end and it's like what else can we do but pick up these blue collar jobs okay. yeah. packing shit at Amazon or sorting rocks at the fuck I don't know what <laughs> she was at like some rock like, <laughs> rocks in the back I'm, I'm glad y'all y'all brought that up because as soon as Amazon was in this movie I was like okay so how much of like they had to get Amazon's blessing, of yeah. course. To be. You can't be too critical, or Amazon wouldn't even like have your movie on their platform. Yeah, literally. So, um, so like, the, the, it's really it was so surreal for me because it's like, I, it felt like product placement in a way to it literally does. see the Amazon yes. tape. And I mean, like, I get that not every time you see a label in a movie, they're they're not intentional mm-hmm. about it, but also like the. Film is a commercial medium, and a lot of stuff is driven by ad, ad revenue, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that is a I, weird I, thing. I think I would have hated, though, if they, like, came up with, like... Because the movie feels so real. If they came up with, like, um, like a service called Jungle or something that, that <laughs> is employing so many people, that would have sucked. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that... That's and then, and then maybe, it's, maybe it, it, it's a pitfall either way. Yeah, and then it would have been, like... Yeah, that that's the tough thing. It's similar to anytime there's a... Um, I mean, you mentioned The Social Network earlier, and, like... That movie, like Mark Zuckerberg, is not at all that charismatic in real life, or like even 
intelligent. But he really isn't that intelligent. Right, but he it's talks really slow. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's the reverse Ben Shapiro. We just yeah. <laughs> he's smart because of the, the way he speaks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's but it's um, it's like okay, this is a negative portrait. This is a largely negative portrait of someone that does kind of like like Rashida Jones redeems him at the end by saying like you're. She says like you're not an asshole. You just want to be mm-hmm. or something like that. But it's like. But he is. And, uh, you he literally did. ends with him stalking her Facebook. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like, so fucking funny. Yeah, like, and then, you know, it would be interesting to see, uh, this is off topic, it'd be interesting to see a follow-up to that now that he contributed to the the downfall of democracy. <laughs> but um, but anyway. I wonder what Sorkin had to say in Social Network too. Hey. Okay. Um, but back to Nomadland. Yes, uh, it's a it's a movie of moments. Um, and, I, and I'm someone who really likes slice of life type movies uh, because, again, like I think usually you have an opportunity to get a really good actor to hold it down in the center and then surround them with people that help it feel more realistic. I think the cool thing about us talking about Minari and Sound of Metal in conjunction with this is that they are all very thematically similar. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I mean, Francis McDormand, one thing I thought was funny, I I thought of you immediately, Wes, is that um, in the, in one of her early scenes, she's meeting, she like runs into these people that she knows and this kid she used to teach. And she like, and the kid recites to her uh, a Macbeth model. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I guess is an Easter egg for this um, this Francis McDormand Denzel Macbeth movie that's let coming me, out. Let me tell you something, Justin. Is that still happening? Let me tell you something. Is it happening? <laughs> Coen Brothers. I've never been more well. excited for a project <laughs> <laughs> than when I was announced that Denzel and Francis McDormand were going to be in a black and white. Is really? it black and white? A black Who's and white. Uh, Joel Cohen. The, the, oh, Joel just Joel. Macbeth, the greatest they're, Shakespeare they're, uh, play they're, ever. Fight me. Fight no, me and I your mom if you want. <laughs> huh? He is. Joel he is. And apparently, like this, she was like, uh, no, 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 she said, like, why don't you write women? Mm. <laughs> and he was like, I guess the next one he was like, oh, you want to be Macbeth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because as much as I, because they, Remind, correct me if I'm wrong. They did uh, No Country, right? They did. Yeah, yeah. great movie. N- not many. Well, there is the his wife, who's a pretty okay oh, character. He, they also discovered um, Haley Steinfeld. Mm. Oh, for that true for grit. True grit. Yeah. yeah, which is I think is good. Last time I saw it. No, I, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's good. good. Jeff Bridges in it. Um, uh, but yeah, so basically, we're following um, Fern throughout. Uh, the Badlands and whatnot, and uh, yeah, like I said, a movie, uh, a movie of moments. Um, is there anything that y'all remember seeing in this movie that like stuck out to you as far as like a? There's a part where she's like, and it's definitely like a real public bathroom. Like you can just tell mm. she's cleaning this public bathroom, with, like cracks and mirrors and stuff. Oh, with yeah. the moss. Some guy like barges in. She's oh, like, that. hey, no, like we're fucking closed. And he like completely oh, ignores her and just like continues to piss oh, and like be so belligerent yes. and aggressive. Yes. Um, so like when when you're in, an, it reminded me of like being a waiter. I know that's super different because what she's doing is like janitorial work, but people really fucking just see you as like. A, a, a walk-in, yeah, yeah. like they ignore you when yeah. you're telling them that coat hanger, basically. Yeah. As a janitor, I will say that that happens. Oh yeah, yeah people just walk in. They're just like, I'm just gonna put some before. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even say anything to her. He goes in and and whips his thing out and like pisses aggressively and then like barges out. She's just yeah. like standing there like, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I will say I, I I agree with you, Justin. I think it is a movie of moments. I um, which I yeah, think by design. Is, by design, and I think it is is purposefully. I don't want to say plotless because there is a Plot. It's just not plot driven. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say about that. But I, I but <laughs> waiting for my turn. Um, no, it, it's a movie of moments, and I think I think the moment that sticks out to me the, the most I, is a uh, is a moment where her uh, the, the man 
man that she is involved with um, knocks on he's like hey do you want to like come like live with me like live with mm-hmm. me and my son and she's like I'll visit you and he comes to her oh yes this is David Strait here does he love her What's going on? Man? I don't know. Are they I just best buds? He, oh, I think he, I think he's interested in her. Yeah. Uh, he knocks on the on the window and she sees him, and she doesn't, like, he doesn't move, and he just turns around, mm. and as she comes out, his car is down the road already, and I was like, oh damn, yeah. Mm. Like it, it yeah, hit me. Yeah. Like I think, I think when the movie calibrates, if that was its the last like time that, we saw him. That would be pretty powerful. I mean, the fact that like, we also have that amazing moment where she's sitting in his house and she's walking through the house almost like to figure out if she could stay. Yeah. And she sits at that dinner table by and herself. And it's also foreign to her. Yeah, and she just gets up and leaves. She just yeah. leaves the shop. Like, and I think same with like going back to, to see her sister. Yeah. She's like, I, I can't sit in this room and sleep in this bed. It's yeah. Just, it's I'm past way past all. Of this. Yeah. And then her. And she sleeps in her uh, truck during the scary thunderstorm. Uh, her van during the scary thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. It's like this is. Yeah, exactly. And her sister uh, talks about, um, kind of gives a little bit of, of, of exposition here, but about like, but in a, in, a, in a tactful way, I think about um, how she met uh, this man and married him very quickly, and then left to the middle of nowhere, and then he died, and she stayed out there yeah. because she was, I guess, so attached to him. Yes. Uh, really interesting, like how that relationship is like a perpetual moment prior for Frances McDormand. Yeah. Like she's, it's always kind of at her heels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what did you want to say about, uh, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, okay. No, it, it was, um, yeah, it, it is a, a movie of moments mm-hmm. and typically in something like this, like, you know, how when you watch those, uh, like prank movies, when you watch like the new Eric Andre thing, or like the Borat movie where they're shooting with real people and it's just little like skits and stuff. It's like, Where's this going, guys? Yeah. What, what are we doing here? Like, is the whole movie just this? <laughs> this, this? This is a movie where I could have felt that way, but if the whole thing was just these slice-of-life moments, I'd be cool with it. I mean, it does eventually kind of go somewhere. We see her family, and we see mm-hmm. her try to acclimate to living like a normal person, but if the movie had, like, ended, like, half an hour earlier, and it's, it's just kind of this nihilistic message of, like, these, you know, this whole community of Americans that really don't know what to do with their lives post-financial crisis. Yeah. Other than, like, be on the road and try and just, like, live like old pioneers. I mean, I would still appreciate that from the film because I, because I think that's pretty bold to get yeah. someone with the caliber of Frances McDormand having her shit in a bucket, having her, like, sleep in that van and, you know... Yeah. How you really, you know, sell this midlife or, or like end of life crisis, I guess, for this character. Yeah. Um, the fact that this won Best Picture, Are we gonna get I, into it? I, I really, <laughs> I, I, I gotta say I do appreciate it because okay. you, you said something about Parasite earlier, which is, um, I don't want to misquote you, but it's, it, it, you know. It gift wraps, it gift wraps. The themes in pop culture. Parasite is a foreign film, yeah. but to the masses once you get past reading subtitles like it's it's a movie that's super engaging everybody can you know empathize with the poor family it's and a dark comedy there, well yeah. it's a dark there's comedy there's there's you know twists and turns and stuff you're constantly engaged yeah you could show that to someone in the deep south with like one tooth and like once they get past reading subtitles they would love it mm. Nomadland is, is even more like it puts up a wall for, for the masses like, like was this even like in every movie theater, I think it was like art houses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the movie theaters that were open. It, I mean, yeah. for for something that seems almost like formless and so just like playing with structure and and I just get tired of seeing stuff that's like written by robots, like movies made of by course, robots. Okay. You know, 
like the Marvel shit and Bond shit. As much as I love that stuff, it's it's like the same trappings of like third act, uh, you know, battle and the thing is crashing into the city and they have to stop it and stuff. Well, Just like I I, I, I love that how human this movie felt. Yes. And how it, it didn't seem preoccupied with like winning a million awards. Like like the Academy has these movies specifically um, fab. Uh, like made by a committee and, and by like an assembly line to win an Oscar. I brought mm-hmm. up the post a couple minutes ago mm-hmm. from a couple years ago. Um, and this, you know, it has Francis McDormand, but it's it's really interested in, in teaching us about the lives of these people, these yes. disenfranchised middle America people. Um, and they gave it best picture. I mean, so, so what, fuck I, yeah. what I will say about this, Dan, it's so great that you said that because I, Justin and I were talking off air. So what you're saying is absolutely correct. And Chloe's Chloe Zhao actually feels like the antithesis of uh, big budget blockbuster yeah. filmmaking. And then so was we'll, handed we'll and then was handed a yeah. two hundred yeah, million yeah, yeah. dollar Marvel movie <laughs> that is essentially ironic. it's essentially Greek mythology. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the Eternals. You know? I mean people are hyping that up though. Everybody keeps saying the location it, she's choosing and like they, it has the best cast to not has, shoot in like green sound stages. Dude, and stuff. It has the best cast this side of Black Panther. Like yeah. it has an incredible cast of actors. Uh, Chloe's out for all of my qualms with this film, uh, which we'll probably get into towards the end. Uh, I think she's a very skilled. Uh, I think she's a genius director. Uh, I don't know what a Marvel movie looks like from her. This mm. is a very meditative wait, but, but film. Let's, let's wait. Let's oh, wait. What I'll say is though, this is a very meditative, character-driven film. Yeah. And if we get a Marvel movie that is meditative and character-driven, I actually think that's great. That'd be great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Like if it's a film that's not interested Dude, in. Dude, if like, if there's a scene where like Brian Tyree Henry walks Brian through Tyree. just a just a, a rock crevice like valley and stands and looks at the alien sunset for lit for five minutes, which is what Francis McDormand does in this movie, like breathe, I'd be very out. happy with yeah, that. But I, you know. Well, because this is like, already we, we grew up with this stuff. We love it. I mean, yeah. we live and breathe Marvel. We read comics as a kid. We were thrilled to see them be brought to life. But Feige's not going to let that happen. But also, <laughs> Feige's not Feige's not a naturalistic slice of life guy. He, but, he knows no. what these movies are for, and, and the masses see them, and they have to be bada bing, bada boom, set piece, set piece, a uh, joke. You know, that uh, joke. Yeah. But what I, what I will say though, they're so structure heavy. Yeah. You're very. She's coming from cinema that just rejects. The notion of structure. Well, but what I'll say is though about that is, uh, I agree with you. But also, I think Eternals is one of those uh, Jack Kirby concepts that he pulled out of the thin air because he was a genius. Yeah. yeah. But like, Kirby is really interested in characters. Like, he's really interested he in mythology. He's interested in characters. The he's interested in family is, relations. Is well, that's that's a major thing. But I think if we're ter- talking about source material to director match, I think they match. Like, I think you have yeah. a person who's interested in family and characters. Excited. And then a person who's interested in family and character. You know what I mean? So I'm interested in what she does with it visually more than I am with, yeah. like, will Brian Tyree punch a hole through the sun or something? Well, you, like you know what? I, yeah, because, I like, these characters are so obscure that you would almost, you would think that, like, okay. With well, the Guardians, if, he just did whatever he wanted. No one cared. That's also no true. no one had read comics, and it was right. so completely different, but no one even knew. Right. So. But with this, it's like, okay, you would think that if we're making an Eternals movie, obviously it's to set up probably Annihilation or something like mm-hmm. that coming down the line but like and Kang and stuff I'm sure that's the next big thing. but like if if that is the case like and you get a director like it reminds me of when Ava DuVernay was supposed to do New Gods ah! 
and what it's a like, good movie why would you get a director like that? Something so. happened where like a, 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 I think it was um the Hurt Locker director. She was she Bigelow. was she yeah she was gonna get Catherine Bigelow. She was she was gonna get like a Marvel project, and they said like don't worry about the action scenes. She's gonna get Black Widow. Yeah, oh. and, and they said don't worry about the action scenes, and then she exited because it's like that's not why you hire a filmmaker. Wait, how do you mean don't worry about? They, they, they because they have an it's, it's well, oh. it's a separate team that yes, does you yes. know the set pieces and stuff. But like on Ant Man, the really creative stuff is the shrinking shit. Yeah, but Peyton, whatever the fuck, what, what was it? Was Peyton name? Reed? Manning. <laughs> I was the football player, Reed or Manning, so it didn't. It's Reed, I'm pretty sure. Um, the yeah, I mean th- that guy. The director. Isn't, he wasn't in charge of all the the shrinking shenanigans. Mm. You know, they they just hire directors to to attach a name to something, and then there's like a team that figures well, out the action stuff. Well, yes, uh, famously. I, 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 famously, that is how Marvel goes. I don't know if that's how it's going to go with Chloe Zhao. I think as they, I would love for it to be different. I think as they get more high profile indie directors that I would are, love for are it visuals, not be an action movie at all. Well, I think I think That'd you. Cool. I mean, even even for Ragnarok, I think Taika Waititi had much more control over mm-hmm. the action than he than Kugler even did on. So I think yeah. I think it's up to be seen. But going back to Nomadland, please. We're talking. <laughs> I think I think you opened up a good point uh, to kind of start to wrap this up on, which is uh, the the Oscars of it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like why we think it's a good thing or a bad thing or a neutral thing that this one. I actually think Best Picture is one of the most like whatever categories in terms of like the Oscars in terms yeah. of what it represents. I think the much more interesting categories are Best Actor, Best Director. Well, now there's nominations. But as the nominations, I think it is both horrible and great that Chloe Zhao won Best Director. I think it is horrible that we are still giving people of color firsts. The fact that she's the yeah. first woman of color to win this award is horrendous. Mm. It actually makes me want to divest in the Oscars even more. Mm. However, if it means that we open up more opportunities for women of color in the industry, incredible. Is she from Taiwan? She's, she's from China. From China. Okay. She's Chinese. Uh, the film itself, I... I, it is not my cup of tea. I mm. think it is visually. I probably wouldn't watch it again. It's visually masterful. I appreciated. I I, I appreciated it more yeah. than I liked it. I yeah, think yeah. it is a yeah. well-made film. I know which is an important directing. distinction. Yeah. Um, I think the acting from Frances. Listen, Frances McDormand is amazing. She's yeah. great in terrible movies. She's the best. Um, I have appreciate. You seen Almost Famous? I have not, but I should. Such a that's a very underrated Frances McDormand. <laughs> Look. I, 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 I'm all in for internals and I'm all in for whatever else Chloe Zhao does and yeah. I'm very happy for her collecting that sizable market Getting check. that bag. Um, Huge. But, you know, I think this isn't my cup of tea and that's okay. Yeah. I, um, I, well, before I ask y'all the, the wrap-up question, I mean, I think you kind of already answered it. Uh, first, I'll just talk about the moment that I really liked, uh, my, my favorite moment in this movie, which was uh, Swanky giving that monologue about, like... Which the, one's Swanky? She was the one who died of cancer. All right, right. The w- uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's wow. all right. Wow. Uh, it's all right. I mean, you know, how memorable are these? <laughs> but, but she gives her this monologue about, like, the beauties that she's seen uh, traveling yeah. as a nomad. Uh, that was great. And, um, and, again, like, seeing a non-actor give something like that is, is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, so I really liked that. But, um, yeah, I guess I would say since we asked, you know, or since I asked, why do you think those other movies didn't win? Why do you think this one did? And I think, Danny, you touched on it. Uh, I wonder how many of the voters really watched it. <laughs> there is evidence from years prior the where question. they just vote for shit. Yeah. And they just kind of they sit down one day in like a booth and like their shit they gotta fill out, or maybe it's like an online thing. I know it used to be a it's booth a, for Academy voters, but now I, I think it's, it's because online. this movie attempts to explain America. 
they, they love those movies. Yeah. They get like a 20 minute window where they have to build on everything. And oh, there's wow. like categories they didn't even know about. It's like yeah. best documentary, and they, they probably didn't see any documentaries that year. Best animated, they probably saw Soul, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, with Nomad Land, they knew McDormand was attached. Um, it was like an up and coming talent in the directing chair. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the more informed Academy voters probably knew that this was, like, the shakeup that, like, a Best Picture winner needed. Mm-hmm. Because Best best Picture winners, they have to be really structured. They, they have to capture the whole range of emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, like I said, a formless, structureless film that just asks you to, you know, take two hours of your time and try to empathize with these people. Mm-hmm. So I like that it won. I don't know why it won. Because mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of those voters didn't really watch it and they were just voting because it's their job. But um, for the ones that were informed, I, I'm, I'm proud of them for, for, you know, choosing something so out there. Yeah. As, as good the movie of the good, year. Good, 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 good job, guys. There has been uh, exactly three good Best Picture winners in the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Parasite and Moonlight. What won in Land. 2017? Uh, Shape of Water. That was the year before Green Book, right? Yes. And then yeah. they were like, they were like, we can't anymore this. Green Book. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy oh, that movie like that actually won. Uh, uh, Green not, Book? not Green Book, we, uh, we Shape of Water. Oh, yeah, that's true. We watched the Green Book thing together. Yeah, no, <laughs> left laughing. Yeah. Um, laughing. I remember being in, uh, in my dorm room by myself watching the Oscars uh, with the La La Land Moonlight year oh, yeah. and seeing I, that I was, in real um, time. I was dating a girl at the time whose mom was a 20th Century Fox producer and I was watching with her whole family. You really fumbled that back. I did fumble that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like her very much. But, um, that's fair, that's fair. That's they, fair. They, they were so overjoyed when La La Land won. They were like cheering. I was like, oh my God. And then we, we were in a group chat, Justin, and everybody was shitting on it. So yeah. I, was, I was like hearing and, and yeah. <laughs> perspectives. And then they swapped when, yeah. when they announced that Moonlight was the actual winner. Yeah, everybody yeah. in the room was pissed off. Everybody in my phone was very happy. Was happy. I, I remember getting up and leaving when they said La La Land. <laughs> and I went downstairs and my mom goes, uh, Moonlight won. And I came back up as uh, Brandon Jacob, uh, Brandon Jacob, as Barry Jenkins was like, hello! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think, that this movie, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of in between you guys. I, well, not even between. I think I agree that I appreciate it more than I like it. Like you said, Danny, I don't see myself revisiting it per se. Not. But I I'm glad that I watched it because it gives because I think Chloe Zhao is a, is a great filmmaker uh-huh. and I'm glad to have seen her work. Um, I I think it's an art. It's inarguable that like there is a let's say houselessness epidemic uh-huh. in America, yeah. and this With movie like, something like. 11 million vacant homes in America. Yeah. And it's it's like enough to, to house the homeless population like 10 times over. Yeah. You know, and and then, uh, yeah. And, and oh, this is so about late stage capital. What this movie does to um, address that or, or comment on it is like, I think that's also part of the conversation because we do, there is that whole Amazon thing. Right. Yeah. But then it's also like, you know, um, I think it's it's attempting to show us not only that it's an issue like it's an issue but then like that we shouldn't begrudge people for choosing this lifestyle that has been that has been forced upon them yeah. right like if they lose their job and there's no other option for them and they they decide to embrace houselessness and become nomads mm-hmm. That's their choice, and then how are you going to criticize me when when society they only reveal is that not the phone halfway through I'm like the whole time I was yeah. like, okay like girl Go like, go like watch like a YouTube video. You're just like sitting in your van like stewing, and then they were she had a phone the whole time. Like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> well, you saving it for that phone call, I guess. 
Um, um, I have one little weird nitpick uh, mm. that it doesn't. It, it's not enough to take anything off the movie for me. I think for what it is, it's like a ten. I mean, mm. if, for, for you know being true to life and, and conveying this lifestyle realistically mm-hmm. with these real people, what it set out to do, it's a ten. Yeah, in my opinion, um, the final shot of the movie is just like we've seen it a million times. It's like B roll of her van driving off. Yeah. Prior to this, we see her handing over like the majority of her shit. The yeah. guy's like. Sure, you don't need this anymore. She's like, no, I'm good. And they and they hug. We see her go to her old home, walking through an empty house. Mm-hmm. Very powerful visual. Mm-hmm. And then there's a shot, yeah, walking off camera, and then through. It reminded me of the Searchers with John Wayne. It's through the door frame, just the empty countryside, and she's no longer in the frame. I'm like, so I'm that thinking, been worried, wow, yeah. she got rid of her van. She got rid of all of her belongings. Like. She's probably gonna like divers. She's maybe gonna wander the countryside like until she dies in, yeah. in her mind. And then there's a shot of her driving her fucking. Bit. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what really? <laughs> yeah. It ruined what was so impactful about the ending. Yeah, for me. I agree. It was like making me emotional. Like, Wait, no. The, she still has the. Vi- no. No. <laughs> yeah, it ruined it. Um, I agree with that. I think that that and I thought that movie was gonna end on that shot. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who knows how much? Uh, speaking of getting cut, like how much of that Amazon stuff they probably filmed more and, and then yeah, submitted it to Amazon. Nah. And Jeff Bezos was like, "Ah, uh, no." Uh, you want this on our platform? <laughs> it's actually on Hulu. It's, yeah, but it doesn't Amazon? Amazon oh yeah, you can buy it on Amazon. Yeah, but I was gonna say, does Amazon own thing, Hulu or no? I went, no. On, I went on Prime to Disney find it. Owns Hulu. Disney owns Hulu. That's Disney right. Hulu. It's yeah. probably uh, they Disney owns Searchlight and Hulu, and they probably were like our girls. So why is Disney Plus its, its own service? Because uh, Hulu's for adults because and Disney is for kids. Right. Yeah, so uh, to speak. Fantastic. So to speak. Um, Without all the Fox shit, they like acquisitioned. Like it's Alien all on Hulu. It's all on really. Okay. Or, or some for of now. it's on Disney Plus. I assume they have some X Men stuff on on Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, they're itching for the X Men. <laughs> Give it time. But yeah, I think um, I think that'll do it for this this very special episode of the Media Morgue. Yeah. I definitely want to read. I mean, like we'll probably do this every year because the, we're a movie podcast and it's the Oscars. So duh. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about maybe at some point playing some sort of game with like the hit, the best picture winners in history and like what our favorites are. Some sort yeah. of like fantasy football thing. I can't even think. Of yeah. Famously, or best they, actor. famously, they don't choose the best. Picture. The best picture. <laughs> well, one of the most famous uh, instances is uh, Citizen Kane lost to some movie that's not even fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up for you. But mm. Yes. Mm. Citizen Kane like famously lost. Amazing. Well, um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for this episode. We thank you graciously for paying us a visit in this humble mortuary. If you we love you. Yeah, we do. And if you like what you heard, you can check out our back catalog on the Podbean app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Rate and review the show where you can. Follow us on socials at The Media Morgue. And consider supporting early episode access and other bonus content. Yeah, Till next time. The movie we... was how green was my valley. And the recording is now. <laughs>